Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, spooky, and this week, brokenhearted. Unrequited. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather. And I'm your Florida man, Tony. And I love you. And I love you. We'd like to invite you to our Valentine's Day card shoebox. Shoebox! Shoebox alliance! Sorry. Whoa. And leave us some love and conversation hearts, which means find us on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, And leave us some comments. Yep. Five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice. We have a Patreon. We always remind people of that. And also, <laughs> you can email us just a heart. Or regular mail us just a human heart. I mean, like a cutout heart, but... Ew. No, like a, a paper heart. I was going to say, you're going to be checking the mailbox from now on. <laughs> I always check the mailbox. I, I need to check the mailbox. Yeah, you do. I'm curious if mm-hmm. y'all prefer Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's Day, National Singles Awareness Day, or my favorite, Halloween. Halloween. Do you like the day of cupids and hearts, or do you wish it was a second Halloween? I wish it was a second Halloween. Well, I know there are some Halloween attractions, like Deceased Farms, near us. They actually have a short February run, just because. Yeah, yeah. Now, to start this off, can I just say that St. Valentine was killed in a square by being stoned to death? You, I mean, sure, you can. I'm just saying, like, you know... It didn't start out as a, as a romantic thing and no, somehow morphed into that. Like, like he was literally taken into a town square and they quite literally threw big rocks at him until he was squish. <laughs> well, that's attractive. More weight! No, he wasn't that one, but <laughs> close enough. This week we have tales for Valentine's Day or, you know, for the single embittered Valloween. I wanted- We're not single, we're not embittered, but we still prefer Halloween. And we absolutely do. Yeah. I wanted this episode to have a bit of Valentine theming and found a few stories that would work, but they're each kind of short and wouldn't make a good episode by its- themselves. So, it's one of those, we're going to give you three for one. Halloween <laughs> horror story. He likes your sister better. <laughs> wow. Let us begin with the Jilted Soldier. Ooh. While many ghosts seem to be friendly-ish, the ghost at Lafayette Inn in Standardsville carries a slightly more gruesome backstory. I read that, Standardsville. Yeah, it looks like it. (laughs) Identified by the National Paranormal Society as a haunted location, the Lafayette is rumored to have a phantom bloodstain. Apparently, a Confederate soldier committed suicide upon learning that his wife had been unfaithful with a Yankee soldier. Oh, no. I mean... Most unorthodox! Yeah, gotta say it more southern sounding, though. So, he was a little upset. That just ain't right, (laughs) y'all. The stain is said to reappear daily, and the soldier is seen wandering the halls with a pistol looking for his rival. I was very excited by this story, and then I could find nothing else about it other than that much. Certainly not enough for an episode. That sucks. I know, it sounds like there should be a lot more than a paragraph. I looked. But well, I- could you imagine, like, going there and just walking down and like, Yeah, honey, don't worry, I'll, I'll get you, you just check in, I'll get the bags in the room. And all of a sudden you're met with, like, a, a, a Confederate soldier who's like, You slept with my wife, didn't you? Bro, I don't even know you! <laughs> <laughs> Or your wife. (laughs) Never seen her. I did find a similar story, well, 
similarly related another story um about one lizzie roland at yeah. the edgewood b&b which in her time was a plantation as the famous saying goes virginia is for lovers but florida is for the crazy people yeah, that's that explains a lot about you. Yes, yes. Florida is God's waiting room. <laughs> but the state is also home to its share of the delightfully macabre. Or as you hate to hear it, macabre. Oh, God. Ew. <laughs> no, uh, let's not say it that way. That makes my nuts itch. <laughs> I hate the way people say that. Yes, it is spelled with an R. You're not supposed to pronounce it. One example of this is the Edgewood Plantation Bed and Breakfast, a 171-year-old hotel that's purported to be haunted by a jilted southern belle named Lizzie Rowland. Oh. Now, she actually etched her name on an upstairs bedroom window, and you can still see it there. She died of a broken heart after waiting in vain for her beloved to return from the Civil War. By the way, that is called Tuckasubo's cardiomyopathy. Okay. Just saying. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. It causes you to write in glass? No. It causes you to die of... It's called broken heart syndrome. Oh, okay. Takasubo's cardiomyopathy. Now, is that like for sudden heart attacks or just sort of pining oneself to death? Well, I mean, one can lead to the other. Oh, okay. I mean, you you see it a lot when like, oh... Usually older couples. Gerald, Gerald died in his 87th birthday. Three days later, his wife passed. Most likely, Tuckasubos. Gotcha. Yeah. Legend has it, and many people believe, that she still waits for him, watching from her upstairs window. And the ghost of Lizzie Rowland is but one of the timeless charms that await you at the Edgewood B&B. Hmm. Now, this haunted hotel has been full of such eerie occurrences that it was once featured on the hit series Ghost Hunters. Indeed. And to this day, guests have reported seeing Lizzie Rowland gazing out from the bedroom window in search of her lost love. Lizzie's ghost has attracted uh, quite a few tourists over the years, and many have encountered her during their stays. Visitors have looked up to the second floor window and have seen the apparition of a very sad, dark-haired woman looking down toward them. Eyewitnesses have also seen Lizzie's apparition from the inside as they reach the top of the stairs and look in the direction of the window. Now, due to its strategic location, Edgewood Plantation would play an important role in the Revolutionary and Civil Wars. General Benedict Arnold and his British troops made the mill their headquarters in 1782. Oh yeah, Benedict Arnold. In 1862, Confederate Commander General J.E.B., not Jeb, Stewart stopped at the house for a drink before making his way to Richmond. In fact, one of the inn's current four you know, rooms is uh, named for him. Did you say four rooms? Good movie, but I think I misspoke. Oh, okay. Now, during the Civil War, others made use of Edgewood Plantation as well. Corn ground at the mill fed the soldiers, for instance. And from the house's third floor, Confederate officers spied on Union General George McClellan. Oh, dear Lord, that man his beleaguered troops who were camped nearby. And then, back in the 1800s, they turned it to a strip club called Custer's Last Standing Ovation. They did not, but that's a funny (laughs) image. On the first floor, the Westover Episcopal Church offered religious services. Edgewood Plantation was listed on the National Registrar of Historic Places in 1982. Hmm. Again, that is all very cool, but not quite enough to make a full episode. Well, yeah, I mean, still kind of cool. Yeah. It let's is. let's let's go to Edgewood. I want to seek out this woman and make her less of a ghost. <laughs>
Out of curiosity, are you familiar with McClellan? It sounds familiar. Okay, so back in the days when all of us sat around watching the big Ken Burns Civil War documentary that was like... Yeah, the one that lasted like 18 episodes. Yes. Oh, one of the stories about him cracked me up. Um, He was not the brightest, apparently, and he was... I remember he hesitated to attack. He was... He vastly outnumbered the nearest southern contingent, and apparently they... How did they put this? The, The soldiers... The southern soldiers were in a clearing, and they basically walked in a giant circle... And so all he could see through an opening in the woods was just people walking by. Never mind, it was the same people over and over. And he literally thought he was outnumbered. He was. <laughs> I'm like, wow, if he'd been in charge the whole time, we probably would have won. Um, and apparently at one point he was still so hesitant to attack that Lincoln wrote him a, a note that said something to the effect of, if, McCle- if McClellan wasn't going to use the Union Army, might he borrow it for a while? Wow. Yeah, so McClellan was that guy. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Right. Um, he was on the winning side, but he was not one of their more successful generals. I did find another story, and again, these all seem to be from Virginia. Yeah. I don't know why. That also fits the bill. Most people know of Patrick Henry. Oh, the <laughs> give me liberty or give me death. Yes, that was the line announced on the eve of the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And most people know very little else about him. Um, Wasn't he like a salesman? Like a door-to-door salesman? Something no, like that? he was a... He was a. Well, he might have been at one point, but he was also a Virginian statesman. Well, I mean, before that. Like, I don't He did know. something very, like... Normal? Yeah, like, almost like too normal. <laughs> but he was so well-known for his ability to take the complicated politics, philosophies, and clashing news of the day and power it down to something for the masses to understand. Yeah. He was chosen to be the first governor of Virginia and tried to wield the little power he had to help George Washington fight the British. In the Revolutionary Day, you know. Yeah. He helped with troop numbers and supplies, keeping the war limping along until the French could send aid. You know, we talk about the Revolutionary War, but at this point, especially in the U.S., we're all like, please, England, please come back over here and (laughs) fix this crap. Well, and of course, thinking of the French, now I can only think of Hamilton with uh, uh, Lafayette. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, Patrick Henry, this is more personal stuff, married his childhood sweetheart, Sarah, in 1754. In 1771, the couple moved with their five children to a plantation called Scotchtown. Shortly after moving in, Sarah gave birth to child number six. Sarah, stop. I don't think she had a whole lot of choice in the matter. (laughs) Soon after her child was born, she began to show signs of mental illness, postpartum, um, and after six children, who could blame her? But I get the impression they were probably wealthy enough. Maybe she could have hired help. Anyway, I don't know. Their private doctor suggested that Henry place his wife in the Eastern State Hospital in Williamsburg. The only place, quote, equipped to deal with the mentally ill. Wow. Um... Patrick Henry went and he examined the place and he was appalled at the conditions he found. It is something in history that the mentally ill are always, has, I mean, 
for centuries. How many places are like of these old asylums are haunted because people were treated so badly? I know. Like, Even people, up until like just a few recent decades. Like, up until like the nineteen like late seventies, some of these places are still open, <clears throat> and it's all about the same. Like you see it, you go in, it's detestable conditions. Like you know unwashed people, naked people running out of the hallway, some old guy in a wheelchair yelling Mozart, like, I mean, it's just a, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, sorry, it's, it's just a bunch of the same thing. The patients were treated like criminals. Yeah. They were bled, shocked, dunked in water. You know, hydrotherapy was a thing. Hot water, cold water. Which, nowadays, that's a medical thing? Mm. Back then, I think they were just trying to shock them into normalcy. Yeah. And generally terrified all the time. And, and then they came out with lobotomies. Oh, well. And this was all considered to be advanced for the treatment of the mentally ill at the time. Again, advances in mental illness treatment have also some parallels with the treatments of the patients. I guess that's a stupid way to say it, but yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. But yeah, yeah. It's never been considered a really good thing to... I mean, there's also, also the big stigma of having a relative in one of the asylums. You just never talked about it well nowadays most mental things are treated with medication Mm -hmm. all the stuff that ailed people back then could have been treated with simple medications i don't want to say simple as in the fact that it's easy to make them what i'm saying is medications that we see as simplistic nowadays I mean, I'm on meds for depression, so yeah. I'm glad I'm not in a facility. Yeah, I'm, I'm on those meds, no acetol, so... <laughs> cute. Very cute. But I understand that, you know, mental illness also included for many centuries, decades, homosexuality, women with um, spicy personalities. Yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah, it wasn't nice. Masturbation was a cure for hysteria. Ketchup was a cure-all. Ketchup started as snake oil. Did you know that? Well, I've heard there's an old recipe for uh, as far back as, like, the Romans, but, um... I Okay, I'm gonna make another aside. I miss Prairie Home Companion when they had a whole commercial about ketchup and its mellowing agents. <laughs> Coca-Cola was a cough syrup. Oh, yeah. That's why it had cocaine in it. Sounds like it would work to I'm, fix what ails you. <laughs> I mean, like, everything that we have today, and I'm telling you this right now, as someone who's been cooking for most of his life... Dr. Pepper was meant to be served warm or it was meant to be cooked with. Period. I don't like it either way, so it doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Anyway, Henry decided that he would keep Sarah at home in Scotchtown. Probably a good idea. And as her condition worsened, she started to become a danger to herself and others. She was... This sounds kind of bad, but I don't, I'm imagining it's better than you think. But she was moved to the basement Mm -hmm. and locked within two rooms. She had her own servant to keep her company and care for her, but she was so intent on harming herself that she had to be confined in a uh, straight dress. Kind of, well, it's a contraption similar to a straight jacket. It's a straight jacket with a dress sewn onto it, yes. Yeah, I guess, I guess. They just call that a bodysuit. Okay, well, a bodysuit then. So it's like a bodysuit with a dress sewn onto it, and of course... Giving yourself a special hug? The hugging jacket, yes. Now, other servants and the local enslaved soon found out about Sarah's condition and and began to talk. It was not uncommon at the time for people to believe that mental illness was basically possession by evil spirits. And they refused to enter the home. Sarah died in February 1775 and was buried on the property. Her grave was unmarked, as was the tradition when someone with mental illness dies. 
And even today, no one knows the exact location of her grave. And any people feel, many people feel that the ghost of Sarah Henry still resides at Scotchtown. Okay, so, gotcha. That's kind of sad. It is. Scotchtown Plantation was Henry's home with his wife until he and his second wife moved out in 1777 to the governor's mansion in Williamsburg. It's changed hands a few times until 1958 when Preservation Virginia purchased it to restore and open as a museum. Mm-hmm. It's believed that Sarah is haunting the grounds and the plantation house. Visitors and staff report strange noises. Once, during a tour of the home, several people were standing in a room right above the basement where Sarah spent her last years, and they heard a loud, shrieking scream pierce the atmosphere. Startled. You wrote this, didn't you? Yeah. Piercing the atmosphere? That's kind of awesome. Sorry. Thank you. Your writing style is awesome. <laughs> Startled. Startled guests ran from the house in terror. Wouldn't you? Yes. Visitors report seeing a woman in a long white dress emerge from the basement door at the back of the house and walk toward a building that once housed servants. Others have seen candlelight in the windows of the home at night. Hmm. Staff giving tours sometimes have difficulty opening the door to the basement, reporting that it seems as though someone on the other side is holding it closed. So is it just stuck and swollen, perhaps? Or is someone actually holding it closed? Well, like wood does expand and, and it swells and contracts, so... Other paranormal events include the sounds of footsteps in the attic and on the staircase and an occasional sighting of Sarah herself. Motion detectors and security alarms often go off by themselves. Well, that's always a red flag. Right. And I suppose I should note that even though it sounds bad that she was locked in the basement for the rest of her life, I think it was probably, and it was noted, that it's probably still better than having committed her to one of the asylums. Yeah. And she was probably better taken care of there. She had and her she was at least home. servant. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, her family, I imagine, would come and visit yeah. her. Where back then, if you were put in an insane asylum, most of the doctors would be like, mm, you shouldn't be visiting your, your family members here. I think sometimes the very rich could bribe them to see yeah. visitors. And yet in other places, the it was practically like a tourist thing. Come see our yep. people who act like animals. Well, it's a sad commentary, really. It is. I'm glad it's changed a lot. Yeah. Well, that's it for another episode. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed the unmitigated mush of a Valentine's Day episode. Well, a couple of ghost stories. Yeah. I guess there wasn't much mush because it was everyone was pining for their love. <laughs> Let us know. Let us hear from you on Facebook. Leave us a five-heart review on the podcast platform of your choice. Yeah. Send us elementary school era valentines. I mean, yeah. I'd love it. I'm your Carolina girl, Heather, and I love you. And I'm your Florida man, Tony, and I love you. Well, or kind of like you. <laughs> and we are Southern Fried Liver Mush. <laughs> okay, not really. But... <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony has a hairball. <laughs> Until... <laughs> God. Until next now week. Now that taste is in my mouth. <laughs> bye, y'all. Yeah, bye, y'all. Why would you do that? Because I am terrible and cruel. But what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, you, my God. Is that an alphabetical list you're looking for? Uh, I have to go in there and wash my mouth off with Ajax. What? Aren't you glad I never asked you to make liver? You don't like liver. No, I don't. Yes, this is an anti-liver household. It absolutely is. I want mine where it belongs. Not on a plate. <laughs> <laughs>